Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I am Rabbi Barry Chesler, and today's Daf is Masecha Sukkah Kafdalad. Tractate Sukkah, folio page 24. We left off yesterday in the middle of a b'raita brought to clarify the opinions of Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda. First, a mission is brought which suggests that Rabbi Meir is not the one who is concerned with death, in this case the death of an animal used for a wall of a sukkah. In the mission that is brought from Gitin, it is stated that a woman married to a Kohen who has gone abroad may continue to eat truma under the assumption that the man is still alive and his non-Kohen wife, as the wife of a Kohen, is still eligible to eat truma. A Baraita is brought to dispute that, bringing the case of a man who gives his wife a divorce document that stipulates that he divorces her a moment before his death. In this case, the woman is immediately prohibited from eating truma, for fear that her husband will die the moment after she has eaten truma, retroactively rendering her ineligible for the truma that she has eaten. Abaye resolves the apparent conflict between the Mishnah and Baraita by asserting that the Mishnah, not concerned with death, is taught by Rabbi Meir, while the Baraita, where the Tana is concerned with death, is actually taught by Rabbi Yehuda. Now another Baraita is brought. In the case of wine brought from Kutim, Samaritans, who are not punctilious about the laws of ties and truma, we can verbally designate certain quantities for separation of ties and truma and drink the wine immediately, according to Rabbi Meir. Now, on our page, the Brita continues with the statement that Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yassi, and Rabbi Shimon forbid it out of concern that the wineskin will break before the ties can be offered, rendering the wine already drunk as tevel, things which require separation in order to eat or drink. But Abaye does not teach this way but rather the opposite. He holds that it is Rabbi Meir who is concerned with death, and Rabbi Yehuda who is not concerned. A Baraita is brought, which appears on yesterday's daf, one who makes the sukkah with an animal as a wall, Rabbi Meir declares invalid, because the animal might die, while Rabbi Yehuda declares it kosher, because he is not so concerned. But now we have a difficulty of Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Meir, for with the sukkah he is concerned with death, but with the wineskin he is not concerned that it will break. He would answer that death is more common than the wineskin breaking, but the splitting of the wineskin is not so common, since one can give it to a guard. We also have a difficulty of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yehuda. For in the case of the wineskin he is concerned that it might split, while in the case of the animal dying he is not so concerned. The Talmud clarifies that the issue for Rabbi Yehuda is not the wineskin splitting, but because he does not accept the verbal declaration of separation. Until the ties and truma are actually removed, we cannot say what belongs to the Kohen and what belongs to the owner. Now, the Talmud quotes the end of the Brita about the Kutian wine, 
What should have said that Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, and Rabbi Shimon said to Rabbi Meir, Do you not concede that the wineskins might split before the separation, and the person will thus be drinking Tevel? Rabbi Meir responds, We will deal with that when it happens. It follows from this that Rabbi Yehuda is concerned with the wineskin splitting, not as just suggested. The Talmud answers that Rabbi Yehuda is saying to Rabbi Meir, well, I do not subscribe to Ra at all, you do. So should you not be concerned with the wineskin splitting? To which Rabbi Meir answers, we will deal with that when it happens. A Mishnah is brought from Yoma, which suggests that Rabbi Yehuda is concerned with death, because there Rabbi Yehuda says that a wife is prepared for the high priest before Yom Kippur, lest his own wife die, and he be unable to fulfill the biblical commandment make atonement for his wife on Yom Kippur itself. Rafuna Bar Rav Yehoshua explains that the rabbis have a higher standard for atonement and therefore take into account more remote possibilities such as death of the high priest. The next sugya returns to the dispute between Abaye and Rav Zera regarding how to understand Rabbi Meir's position. Whether we think it is, the, it is less the animal die or we think the animal might run away, the Torah position is that the animal can in fact be a sukkah wall. It is only the rabbis who forbid it. Perhaps Rabbi Meir disqualifies the animal on account that it is used as a tomb covering, and therefore becomes susceptible to impurity. But we learn in Mishneh Ruvin that while Rabbi Yehuda renders impure on account of the tomb covering, Rabbi Meir does not. But Rav Acha bar Rav Yaakov says, the Rabbi Meir holds that any wall that stands with breath is not a wall. Others say that Rav Achabar Rav Yaakov said, the Rabbi Meir holds that any wall not made by man is not a wall. What is the difference? If the wall is propped up with an inflated wineskin, then the one who holds that a wall that stands up because of breath would declare it invalid, while the one who says a wall must be man-made would accept it. The next sugya takes up the issue of writing divorce documents on animals. Rabbi Yossi Aglili says that it is forbidden. Why? Because we learn in the Baraita that the use of the word sefer means it must be on cloth, parchment. But the phrase vechatavla means any material. If so, then how do we understand sefer? Just as parchment is neither alive nor food, so too anything that is neither alive nor food can be used. And the rabbis, who permit animals, maintain that if the verse said busefer, it would be as Rabbi Yossi Haglili, but it only says sefer, to refer to a mere narration, meaning a formula of separation. Sefer, then, is understood to refer to content rather than material. How do the rabbis interpret v'chatav? They need it to prove that one divorces with writing and not with money. You might have thought, that entering and leaving marriage are the equivalent, and are equivalent, and just as you can marry with money, so too you can divorce with money. Kamash Malad. How does Rabbi Yossi Aglili understand that divorce must be through writing and not money? The phrase used is Sefer Kritut. It is the Sefer which affects separation and nothing else. The rabbis understand Sefer Kritut to mean a complete separation, as we learn in a Brita. If he makes the divorce conditional on the woman never drinking wine or visiting her father's house, this is not a divorce. But if it specifies for 30 days a set term, 
This is an acceptable condition. For Rabbi Yossi Aglili, he learns this from the fuller form of the word kritut rather than the short form karat. The rabbis do not interpret this word for halachic purposes. The next segment is a Mishnah which says that if one makes a sukkah among the trees and the trees provide the walls, it is valid. The sugya, which continues on tomorrow's daf, begins with the statement of Rav Bar Yaakov that any wall that cannot withstand the common wind is not considered a valid wall, meaning even one that merely sways in the wind is considered invalid. This is challenged by the Mishnah just cited. Why would Rav Acha accept this sukkah? What are we talking about? In the Mishnah, it refers to tree trunks that are stiff and do not sway in the wind. But, the Talmud wonders, what about its branches? The Mishnah is referring to a sukkah where the wall is reinforced by weaving the branches together with inserted branches of palm and other trees. If so, then what is the Mishnah coming to teach? Mahu detema? We should declare the sukkah valid lest we come to use one of the trees on the festival, Kamash Malad. Tashma, come and learn. There was a tree or bridge or wall of reeds standing at the corner of a well enclosure. Let it stand as a double post, making carrying permissible. There too it is accepted because it has been strengthened by weaving. Another challenge. Come and learn. A tree which forms a canopy over the ground. If its branches are not raised three tefachim from the ground, we can carry underneath it. Why? It sways. There too it has been reinforced. If so, then there should be no limit to carrying. So why did Rav Huna by Rav Yoshua say one may not carry in it? That answer will come tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.